your host. We're going to be talking to Jimmy Rivera. He's the number five ranked bantamweight on planet Earth. He just beat Uriah Faber. And man, I've never heard him more fired up before. So we're going to be talking to him first. And then I got Doomsday Howard joining me, the vet. He's got a special coming out with 60 minutes. That's a big deal. And this Friday, he's taking on Khabib Nurmagomedov's brother in World Series of Fighting. Then I'm joined by my boy, David K, fresh off an eight-fight win streak. I mean, this is a guy that when he was 19 years old, he was fighting UFC vets on two-day short notice. Now, you know, he's trained by the right people. He's really putting it all together, hence why he's on an eight-fight win streak. And finally, I'm joined by Austin Springer. He's fighting Julian Arosa this Saturday. First up, Jimmy Rivera, here we go. Joining me now is the number five bantamweight on planet Earth. I'm talking about Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely, man. So first thing I got to know is, how's your eye doing? Uh, it's much better. I got to finally train today. It was freaking awesome. I was so happy about it. Like, you know, you don't, you don't get to do what you love and, uh, you know, it takes a while. So I finally got to do it. I was so happy. So you're 100%? Yep. Awesome, man. That's what I like to hear. And I heard uh, you were recently in California. Were you uh, stopping by the California kid's place and uh, giving him a little eye gouge? Nah, actually, my, <laughs> my uncle had a business trip, so I took a little family thing with him. I need, you know, I, I don't get a lot of time off, so I took a little weekend off just to kind of relax and hang out. And, and uh, I have a good friend that lives out there, and we did some family stuff together. We went to SeaWorld, which was awesome. And we just, you know, we did a, lot, a couple things together. There's a lot of dinners for his work, and it was cool just to uh, hang out, kind of get away from everything, and just relax and enjoy some freaking nice weather too man it was, it's beautiful out there that's badass what, what was that like man i mean was that a nice little escape for you yeah it was awesome I've never been to san diego i've been to san bernardino but that's nowhere close to san diego and it was awesome it was a great experience I had a fun time um i would definitely do like you know rent a place out there for a week and that's on the beach and just chill surf and hang out yeah, man, it sound, sounds pretty damn awesome. So, dude, now you're uh, officially the number five guy on planet Earth. I mean, we've been talking since the Pedro fight, and, you know, I've been saying that you're a top five guy, but now it's official and no one can dispute it. Yeah, it's great. It's a great thing. Hard work, you know, hard work pays off. It really does. And, you know, what's so cool about your fight with Faber was that, I mean, you know, a lot of people might criticize you, oh, you didn't finish him and this and that. But what I saw in there was I saw a future world champion because, I mean, it was kind of like GSP and Aldo in the sense that you didn't take any unnecessary risks. You just did what you had to do and you won every single round clearly. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of hard to fight him, you know, when you're trying to stay in the pocket and exchange and he's jumping out and moving back because he's getting hit. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, he was coming in with me and it was like I would hit back and he would move and then he would... I would come in and he would run, and it's like one of those things. But I was like, I was upset at first. I told my coach, I'm upset at first. I didn't get the knockout. You know what I mean? He's like, you know what? You gotta look at it this way. And he put it down. He's like, if you would have got a knockout, everybody said it was a fluke. You beat him for three rounds. All three judges had a 30-27. That is not a fluke. There's no way anybody said it, can say you got lucky. And I'm like, 
all right, made a good point. He always knows. He always knows best. So I was like, all right, I couldn't even argue. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I like how your coach thinks, man. I mean, like I said, the way I looked at it was, look, this is like a GSP or Aldo performance. I mean, no unnecessary risks. You're doing everything you want to do, and you're clearly winning the fight. Now, it, you know, obviously there was the unfortunate low blow and eye gouge, which. As far as I'm concerned, we're both intentional because when when you fight a guy that doesn't do it intentionally, after it happens, they automatically give you a high five or a hug with him. He, he had I say the same thing all the time. I was saying that the same thing all the time. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he had zero remorse, man. So for you, was it what was it like to restarting the fight after taking those uh, fouls? I mean, like, I'd rather take a ball shot than the eye gouge. The eye gouge, I couldn't see. I was blind out of my right eye for the last three minutes of the fight. It was hard. It was pretty hard to fight. You know what I mean? It was it was very hard. Um, and I was, you know, happy to take the win. I, it's hard to see how it looks from out there. You know what I mean? My, my coach is saying you're doing great. You win the round, this and that. It's just one of those, it's one of those crazy. I know fans always want to see like people, especially people who know about fighting, you know, they want to see like, you know, banging it out and, and beating the crap out of each other. But sometimes you get two people who are technical and, you know what I mean? They want to win. It's a whole different story. And was there any point like at the beginning of that fight where you were like, dude, I'm fighting Uriah Faber? In the first round was like that. I was like, holy shit. This is really happening. I grew up watching this guy. Now I'm fighting him. This is, <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> so, like, when you were, like, leg kicking him and, you know, getting off on, you know, your strikes, were you at all like, dude, I'm a, I'm piecing up favor? Like, what was going through your mind, dude? Or was it like, I got to stick to the game plan? Like, tell me about it, man. Um, it's cool. I, first round, I just was like, I got to see you start because I promised I wouldn't get like that. My coach was like, it's just, it's just he's an average show. I'm like, yeah, and I, and I thought he was, you know, an average person too. It's just like, you know, you get in there like, holy shit, you know, it's cool. It's, it's not even that. It's like Star Trek. I was like, this is really cool. Like I was enjoying the moment a little too much. Um, but then I just got back to my game plan. I assumed he was going to wrestle with me a lot the first round, and he didn't do that at all. So I really like going in the second, third. It was like, all right, we're just staying up and striking. You know, what I mean, this guy is not going to wrestle me at all. I was so freaking surprised. And um, with that said, it was just, you know. That was that was that was pretty much it. I was like, damn, and you know, I, there was one point I, I said to my coach, I'm like, I know you wanted me to follow up, but it was so damn nice. I had to admire it when I swept him, hit that calf sweep, and he went down to his ass, down to his face. I was like, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was cool as hell, man. I saw, you know, the whole lead up to the fight. I mean, you were doing so many interviews. You did interviews with everyone at, you know, during fight week. I was like, man, I really hope Jimmy's focused. And obviously, you were. How do you balance that, man? I mean, because you know, I kind of give you credit for. I mean, it's like, it seems like it's just, uh, you know, Jimmy's a really good guy, you know what I'm saying? And and in those interviews, you were asked the same questions over and over, and you still were super damn cool about it. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Listen, I guess you could say it's part of the game, but, you know, it's another way to get my, you know, my, my name out there, and, and it's cool, and they never ask questions, and if they're the same, it, it, it is what it is. It's cool. I, you know, I juggle a ton of shit, like... That's why, like, I just tell people work with me when you want to do an interview. You know what I mean? I'm still at my school right now. I still got to go upstairs and clean my mat before I leave. You know, I'm just, you know, a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. I'm juggling like, like I'm always juggling like four or five things at a time. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm always doing a whole bunch of stuff, and I guess it's just the way my mentality is: just hustle, hustle, hustle. And when I die, I can rest. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. And you're giving back to the people that you know were there for you, which is awesome. I mean, I saw the support from Tiger Shulman's. You know, they were posting that video of all the kids wishing you good luck, and it's just cool to have that support. What's it like for you, man? It's awesome. It's a great thing. I appreciate it so much. It's, I can't say I don't know how many times I say thank you. It won't ever saying thank you is just like not enough, and I don't know what else to do besides saying thank you to to really show. You know, it's just an awesome thing. You know, my goal is hopefully hopefully one day to bring that belt back home and really show them. You know, I did this for myself, my family, 
for my fans and you know the biggest thing i did it for you guys you know what i mean you guys supporting me and being there for me and you know tiger showman's all the way and speaking of the belt is that what's next i don't know i'm waiting on the call i don't know i'll see what happens i called shelby i spoke to shelby twice already you know he's waiting for after this weekend to figure out what i guess what's next so i'm just kind of sitting here and twiddling my thumbs i'm training though which is nice and uh, just kind of sitting to see what's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what they're thinking. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I heard talk of Cody and Cruz. They both wanted it, so that'd be kind of it. Caraway's finally saying he'll fight someone. So it kind of leaves Dillashaw. I'm just like, uh, you know what I mean? I mean, as long as, if, you know, I, as long as whoever I beat is going to, you know, if they give me a title shot, hell yeah. Or as long as whoever I beat is going to give me a title shot after that, I, I'm down. You know what I mean? That's the biggest thing. You know what I mean? Whoever's up next is going to give the title shot, then hell yeah. Definitely. Now, you said you spoke to Shelby. What do you say about your performance? Um, It was brief. I always keep it brief, Lim. You know what I mean? I don't try to chit-chat his ear off. Keep it brief. The guy's busy as hell. I just want to know what's next. How you doing? I mean, it's always a text. Hey, what's up? How you doing? What's next? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, you know, and he was like a little too soon, so this and that. A little chit-chat. That was the first one. The second one, I'm like, hey, hey, Sean, how you doing? He's like, good, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I go, hello, you beat me to it, okay. You know what I mean? I'm just like, like that. I mean, listen, you know, I, I can't, I don't, I don't like bothering the guy. You know what I mean? I, I texted him last week and then the week after my fight, so I'm just leaving it be, you know what I mean, and, and, and see what happens then. You know, I just I can't, can't do any more than that. Absolutely, and you got some other good news. You're in the video game, man. And uh, dude, it's funny. You know, I went over to a buddy's house. I uh, played the game a little bit, and uh, it looks just like you. And he throws fast combos just like you. I was like, damn, that's badass. What do you think? <laughs> it's surreal. It's crazy. Like people actually play me as a video game. One guy goes to me. It was funny. One of the guys I know. He's like, hey, you can play with yourself all the time. I'm like, that's just <laughs> wrong, but funny. Um, it's cool. You know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a cool thing. I think at the end of the day, everything that comes is from working hard and having good people around, good support group. Um, it, it's cool. It's surreal now. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's unbelievable in a way, but it's cool. You know what I mean? I, I still think I'm just the average. You know, I'm an average guy, man. I just go out there and just do my thing and have fun, and that's it. You know, nothing special, you know, uh, really about me. You know, I, I don't know what else to really say. I can't, like, my students, like, my manager wants to throw me a party this Saturday for a fight victory. I'm like, because we push off because we had a lot of stuff going on, and, I'm like, you know, I don't really want the party. I'm like, it doesn't, you know, we don't need to do it. He's like, no, we're doing it. I'm like, all right, well, we'll do it. Whatever you want. I said, if you want to do it, we'll do it. That's funny, so. man. <laughs> so, dude, your uh, former opponent, Yuri Alcantara, he's fighting Brad Pickett this weekend. How do you see that one going down? I don't know. I want to see it. It's going to be an interesting fight. You know what I mean? It's very interesting. I mean, if Brad Pickett does what he did with Almeida and keep, you know, be, you know, watch out for those kicks, he can, uh, I think he'll win it. Here's my thing, man. Obviously, we know with Yuri, uh, sometimes when he gets taken down, he he acts like he doesn't know how to get up. You know what I mean? But on the feet, how, how do you see it playing out just on the feet? That, that's what I want to oh, know. I, that's what I'm saying on the feet. I mean, if Brad Pickett saw what he did to Almeida, yeah. if he does what he does to him and just, you know, obviously watch out for that jump knee, he'll be fine. You know what I mean? He'll, he'll, he'll do well. I just, you know, you don't really, you can never say that's an interesting fight because he's a really good boxer, Brad Pickett. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so you think Pickett can get the better of the exchanges with the hands? Uh, I think so if he keeps the distance short and doesn't give him that room to kick. But if he gives him room to kick, Yuri's got it. If he goes down to the ground, I think uh, I think Pick I think Pickett's got it. I think I don't know. That's interesting. I never when I fought Yuri, we weren't on the ground that long. Um, 
I don't really know. He can get up too, so it should be, it's going to be an interesting fight. It's going to be one, one to see, you know what I mean, just like the Lineker and Dotson. Dude, speaking of which, you, I know you got a chance to watch that, right? Yeah. What'd you think? I thought Lineker won. Everybody thinks Dotson won. You see the strikes and stuff, but like, look at the whole control of the cage, first of all, and who's aggressive. Then you look at the exchanges. How many times you saw Lineker winning the exchange? And then, you know, okay, he had a, he had, he had a little thin on his eye, but yeah, he's running after you the whole time. You run after someone, you put yourself in a little bit of danger. I I think he won, and I think I think Dot, you know, I think Dotson needs to go back to 125 and try to get better, so he could try to beat Demetrius Johnson. That's what I think. I think, uh, um, you know, he couldn't beat Johnson twice, so he, you know, came up to 35 because Dillashaw was champion. He beat Dillashaw. Um, I just, you know, I don't like him. He made that comment. Like you better watch out! All these twenty thirty fivers, I'm coming for you. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, some stuff, something like that. Uh, it was like a couple months when he first came up thirty five. I'm like, bro, I'm like, whatever. So I was happy. I was happy. I was happy. Honestly, it's you know, you laugh. I look at my uncle. I'm like, look, we're watching two twenty fivers fight at thirty five. That's what we're watching. That's true, man. So last time we spoke was after Lineker's fight with Mayday, and you said, you know, I need to see him go past the first round. Now you saw him go past the first round. So are you more impressed with him, or is it just you know he beat up a twenty fiver? Uh, no, he, you know, I, I think, I think he fought very smart. I was actually, you know, impressed that he was kind of smart, uh, fighting it and fighting Dotson. He was, you know, he didn't rush in. He was patient. And I, I, you know, he's, yeah, I give him, he got a set of balls on him and, uh, you know, he was smart. He didn't like rush in all the time. And, you know, he, he was trying to, you know, work his way in. And, um, and I think it was a good, I think it was a good fight. I mean, he had a lot of leeway, you know, to relax because in a way it was cause he was basically chasing Dotson the whole fight. You know, yeah. so it's just the way it was. So it was really interesting. Yeah, it was badass, dude. So before we get out of here, obviously you want that title shot. Let's say they make you take one fight before that, and you got the option between Cody, TJ, and Lineker. Who do you want the most out of those three? Cody, TJ, or Lineker? Um, you know what? I think out of all of them, the, I need a, I need the toughest fight is TJ. Um. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I don't really care. <laughs> Whoever's gonna give me the shot, that's it. It could be Cody, it could be TJ, it could be Leonard. I'll take you the one. I haven't. No, I have I really don't have anything against people. I actually had a little. Uh, I don't know if you want to say it, just a little change of words on Instagram because you know, man, Jungie put something up and he's like, "Oh, you know, Cody don't love us. I'll beat them all." I'm like, I reply, I'm like, one step at a time, homie. I'm like, dot dot dot. Then he he said something like, "Oh, you better watch yourself, or I'm gonna shut your mouth and end your career and this and that or something like that." I'm like. I'm like, I'm, I reply, I'm like, listen, your passive aggressiveness does not going to work in the cage. And then he didn't reply after that. I was like, okay, he didn't reply after that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's weird to hear, hear him say that. And then I'm getting off the, I'm getting off the, the freaking truck after the fight, after coming from the hospital, comes up, shakes my hand, congrats. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you know, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, you don't have to be like that. Like, you know, I I just thought it was like, you know, it's uncalled for. I'm like, you don't have to say I'll beat them all. It's not like anybody's saying that, like, talking shit to you anyway. The only person talking shit is Cruz, and you're probably going to get that title fight. Why are you going to tell him you're going to beat them all? You know what I mean? I'm like, you're in the, you're kind of in the best shoes of all because Cruz wants a piece of you. You know what I mean? So, you know, you're, you're lucky enough for that. So, you know, it's just one of those things. You know what I mean? You hear it, and I love, I do love it, though, sometimes because it just makes me want to train harder. Doesn't get in my head. Just makes me want to train more. And like, really, like, oh, you're gonna fight this guy? I'm gonna fuck him up. I can't wait. You know, like, it's like I don't know. It's trash talking. It's like I laugh at it. 
but it makes me want to work harder. I just it gives me that feel to the fire, so I don't mind it at all. You know what I mean? I really don't mind it at all. It's just great. It won't, you know, it's one of those things. If you know how to control it and then you let it get in your head and let it fuel you the right way and training, then it's like you you know you're excited. You know what I mean? And that's how I got. You know, I was super excited. I was, my coach was like so pumped. I'm like, well, I'm pumped because I haven't trained. But I told him what happened with Cody. He was like, oh okay. You know, I thought it was funny. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, I've always known you're a very mentally strong guy, so I wouldn't expect the trash talk to get to you in any way. Because some dudes, you know, it affects them the wrong way. With you, like you said, it just makes you more motivated. No, I mean, look at the thing I said to him. It's like, am I really trying to to, to bash him? Am I really trying to say I'm going to kick your ass? You know, no, man, I don't teach that. Listen, I'm a teacher at the end of the day, first of all. I'm not a bully. You know what I mean? I mess with my friends and I'll mess around bully with them a little bit. That's one of my good friends. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not going to go to some guy I barely know him, so right, I'm going to shut your mouth. I'm like, all right, bro, bring it then. Let's do it. Right, <laughs> yes, let's do it. You show me how you shut your mouth, and we'll go in there and we'll do it. Because I'm like, at the end of the day, listen, that cage, there's three people in that cage. A ref who's going to try to stop me from killing you, and then you. And that's it. There's no one else in there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> and, that's, and that's really what it is. That day. It's just me and him in the cage lock. That's, it's, just, it's just funny to see it. You know what I mean? It's funny to see how people are. You know what I mean? I, was, I, I, I think, you know, I was telling someone just now, I just did an interview a little while ago, I said, you know, they were talking about Conor McGregor, and I was just like, all right, you got Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? You know, if, you, if you've if you ever seen Hands, did you see Hands of Stone yet, Dan? Hands of Stone, uh, the movie? Yeah. Yeah, bro. You can't tell me, like, what Conor does is exactly what Roberto, Roberto Duran did to Sugar Ray. And then the second time he fought Sugar Ray was so smart and did the right things and didn't let it get to him. Like, he was just like, you know, that guy's a nice guy. Like, I'm going to be friends with him afterwards, you know, this and that. I'm like, Sugar Ray, you know, messed up the first time, but he learned from it and did it right the second time. I think that's how you ha- handle a Conor McGregor, and that's how you handle anybody who's going to talk trash talk. It's like, well, what it is what it is. Who cares? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? What, what are they going to say? I mean, listen, you always heard that. You know what I mean? You know, people, you know, say stuff, but always actions speak louder than words, and that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Uh, another guy uh, was calling you out, and you guys got some history from back in the day, but he's not a top five guy, so he's not even on your radar. But what do you think when uh, when Sterling was talking a little? Sterling could go off himself. You know what I mean? He was one of those guys that ducked me outside of the UFC, ducked me in the UFC, and you know what? He could keep waiting on that line. You know what I mean? He's going to say all this stuff, and then he's going to be like, you know, because some fan got in and kept tweeting, and I don't tweet fans. You know what I mean? I won't. I won't argue with a fan. That's, you know, uh, I, I'll respond to a fan that is for me. I won't argue with a fan that's against me. I'll let them be. Everybody has their right to their opinion. I really don't care. It don't even really bother me. People will say stuff, and I'll be like, all right, you know, that's cool, whatever. Or they'll say stuff, and I'll be like, oh, they said that. I, for, I forgot all about it. I don't really put it back in my mind. I don't care. So with Sterling, like, some, some guy was saying stuff. It was for me. He's like, oh, you have other people, you know, fighting battles. I'm like, no, I just don't jump in. I don't chime in. It's not my Someone wants to say something, they say. I mean, and like, there's so many other people that were for Sterling saying stuff to me. And I'm like, all right, I wasn't saying anything to them. I'm like, school, whatever. You know what I mean? But I just think, you know, he lost to Brian Caraway. Do I have to say more? You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, I hope that seeps in. And then, uh, you know what? There's a New York car coming out. And you know what's crazy? Because they showed a picture of all these guys that were there representing New York. Only one guy's fighting from it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Represent New York for the, the – so I'm like, oh, there's a New York card and you're not even on it. How does that feel? You know what I mean? Like New York City. You know what I mean? And like my teammate's on it. I'm like, good for him. Good for my teammate's on it. But uh, I don't know. I don't care. You know what I mean? You know what? All the best. But, you know, it comes towards me. You know what I mean? I'm going I'm to take him out. You know what I mean? That's it. You know what I mean? It, it, is, it, it, it is what it is. You know, but 
I don't, yeah, it's, I just think it's funny. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, they either love you or they hate you, but as long as they care, that's all that matters. Man, they can pretend to love you and they hate you behind your back, too. They could be like, oh, they got I got an autograph. Oh, I hate him, though. You know, the way it is, who cares? I don't care. Listen, I don't care. It's, you know, at the end of the day, you know what I mean? If you let it get to you, then that's it. You just got to be strong minded. You know, words are really nothing. It's always the actions that you want to worry about. Well said, my man. Jimmy, you got anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh, yeah, man. I'm tired as hell right now. <laughs> no, I mean, I, thank you for the interview. Thank you for not keeping me on for like some people do for like an hour. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? You know, I'm a busy guy. I have so much going on, and I appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, you know, obviously, always thank you to my fans. You know, my fans, my friends, my family, my coaches. You know, thanks to Nutribile and Tiger Fiker. And like always, you can find me in the city at uh, 3040 23rd Street. Come by, say hi, or even take class. And hopefully one day, you know, you make it over here, so you come by and take class, man. Definitely, man. Would love to. Jimmy, thanks for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Always a pleasure, my man. And uh, best of luck in the next step, bro. No problem. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Have a great night. You too. Peace. Bye. Doomsday Howard. It's Daniel from Half the Battle. Hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? Doing excellent, man. Yourself? I uh, just chilling, man. On my way home, man. Perfect job for the interview. Awesome, man. Glad to hear it, dude. You uh, you pumped for your fight, man? It's coming up. I'm beyond pumped, man. I cannot wait to fuck shit up. Real talk, dude. Yeah, that's what's up, man. I mean, you're taking on a Russian. You already know the deal. I mean, they throw big bombs, and when it's time to grapple, they, they grapple, man. So, are uh, you ready for a serious three-round fight? Yeah, I'm ready for a serious round. I didn't even go three rounds, bro. Like, everybody say he's Russian, he's crazy. I don't give a fuck. Whatever people are understand, I've been doing this long enough. I fought all over the world, some of the best, most dangerous guys in the world. Yeah, his brother's in the UFC. He does. The kids do a big thing, but he's still new. You know, he has twelve. I think he's twelve and one. Okay, I'm twenty four and twelve. You know, so I have basically triple more of the fights. You know, and it's like it's like whatever. Like like people they make a big deal. Let me tell you something. I brought in a big camp. I got. I have Brendan Ward. I've been messing with him, man, and if anybody knows who Brendan Warrior is from Bellator, he's one of the best wrestlers around, man. And I'll tell you something, me and him went toe-to-toe. He'll take me down, I'll take him down. He's definitely a better wrestler, but I was able to neutralize him. So, And he told me, listen, man, I think you got, I, I think you got this kid because this kid is not going to be as good as wrestler. He, he, has a rest, he has that Russian style, but we have the American style, and I hate to, I'd love to say it, but Americans are the best wrestlers, so... I, I ain't worried about it. Not too much, anyway. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll take I'll take some good old American wrestling over some sambo, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly, man. So like, and it, it, a lot of people don't know, man, that um, after this fight, um, I'm get I'm graduating. I'm, I'm about to get my black belt soon. Oh yeah, in jujitsu. Yeah, in jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, BJJ. I will be a black belt. My man, how how do you feel about that? Feel great, man. It's, it's been it's been long overdue. I've been doing jujitsu for 14 years, but I never just wanted my black belt. I want to truly earn my black belt because you know you got kids who become black belts and then go to certain schools and get tapped up by purple belts. I, I want to make sure I would never have that issue. You know? Yeah, that's a that's a smart idea. You know, I really respect guys that like you know you go to a a new gym, you start learning under a new instructor and then they start in the white belt. You know, even if you're a blue belt from a different gym or a purple belt, when you go with that uh, new instructor, you start as a white belt. You know what I mean? The, the, the way I did it is I have, I, I have multiple instructors, but like well, the way I do it is 
I wait to every instructor I've been in contact with or roll with approves my black belt. You know, like, listen, what you think? You're ready. What you think? You're ready. So uh, between Daniel Gracie, um, uh, David Ginsburg, which is my uh, uh, instructor, uh, Carlos Nesto, which is a big black belt in Boston, different black belts, I went to their gyms and I was like, listen, can you test me? Can you give me, give, just roll with me and really give me your best and tell me what you think? You know, and everyone wants to listen. If, when you're ready for your black belt, go get it. You deserve it. It's all time. So I'm, I'm, I'm more than honored and happy to accept my role as a black belt. That's what's up, man. There you go. So, dude, in your last fight, you took on Michael Aaron, but there's actually a backstory. You know, he was a, a short-notice replacement, and oftentimes, you know, we like to refer to this as the classic letdown spot because, you know, you've been training your entire camp for a certain guy, then it gets switched at the last minute, and it can be a... It, some guys that are the favorites, they don't always come through in that spot, but you came through, man, and it was a, it was a good fight. Yeah, it was a good fight, man, because the gameplay was a fight in on my Brazilian black belt, man, and that we know he was good on the ground, so I was training that, but Michael uh, is around round it, and plus, it was a different weight class, it was 185. I was trained to be a welterweight, and I had to put weight back on, which, you know, fucks your body up sometimes, because you have to readjust, you know? So it was a challenge. I thought I thought I should have finished. Now I'll be able to finish Michael, but Michael is a lot more tougher than people think. So, I mean, he put in a great performance. Yeah, no, that was a really good fight. What was it like going up to 185 on you know two weeks short notice? Because I mean, I I knew it was a different opponent, but I didn't realize you were going up a weight class. Yeah, man, it, it was all right, man. I mean, I fight some. I fought some good guys at 185. You know. It's just I know I'm a fucking force to be reckoned as a 170 because that's a that's a weight class I should be in. I went 85. I can hang with the best. I mean, I did beat I did beat Uriah Hall at 185, so I could definitely hang with at 185. But some of these 185 today are so huge; it's not even worth it. Do I, I meet 185 who walk around 250? I'm like, nope, I'm all set. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Hey, did you by chance watch uh, John Lineker versus John Dodson last night? I saw clips of it, man. Cause I've been doing my own thing kind of way, but I saw clips and that was a fucking. The highlights are real was amazing. I got to sit down and watch that when I, when I have a better time frame and mind frame, you know, to really um, break down the fight. But I saw clips and that, that was a war. Yeah, like. it was crazy, man. I, I mean, I've never seen uh, two dudes that fast before in my life, unless I'm watching, like, Demetrius Johnson or something, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, it was, it was really impressive to see, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So, dude, I mean, what's your mindset like going into this fight? I mean, you're, you're, you seem very dialed in. I'm beyond dialed in, man. I, I changed uh, my diet. I changed my attitude towards the sport. Um, I haven't been drinking. Um, I, I, like a lot of stuff, you know, I, I just did a lot more smarter, you know. Um, I was going through some issues in my life, you know, but now I, I straighten up and I, I feel more positive. I'm more energized, more ready. I'm just ready to go, man. I'm really, I'm really ready to fuck somebody up, dude. Like, I, I, I'm so pumped up. Like, if I see him, he might be something to me. I'm not smashing. Right, bro. That's what I'm fucked up on him right now. That, that's what we like to hear, man. Uh, what led you to that change, man? I mean, it's awesome to hear you like this. It, 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 it was that I was being, I was being patient. I was being naive to certain shit, man. It, it, it was one of those things. Like, you know what, man? Let me stop. You know. Begging what's mine and just fucking taking motherfuckers. You know, my motherfuckers need to know the real doomsday. You know, I just need to let loose and really fucking just go ham. You know, I mean, I'm gonna really just go in. You know, I'm gonna go in fucking full throttle. You know, and I'm taking people questioning about is doomsday. Oh, is he out of? And 
is he not is he not ready? I'm like, I'm trying to tell people, look, yeah, I'm 33, but this is my prime. I'm a different athlete. I'm 33 years old. I'm 33 years old doing one hand ball pushups. So, and I don't know too many MMA fighters who could do that shit. So, if I'm on my prime, then all y'all are out of shape because I'm doing that and y'all not. Damn, son. So, where do you feel like you've made the most strides in your game? Just everywhere? Everywhere, bro. Between between jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and striking, man. You know, I, I just think everything. Boxing. I think everything's just a lot more cleaner and a lot more crisper, you know? And I'm a lot more confident. I'm, I'm actually going to this fight, like, more like a summer ride now. Like, the, the old school dooms I used to be. Because when I used to fight, man, I just didn't give a fuck. I didn't give a fuck about winning or losing. You know, I, I, I was a motherfucker that went if I did. Like, I died on my show today. You know, I am, man. Right now, that's my attitude. I'm willing to fucking die in that cage, bro. So I can't fucking wait. Fighting this dude. And he's be talking shit. Oh, man, he's going to see a different person. Oh, like, man. the last time I fought. The last time I fought mad, I fought Daniel Robinson. I knocked him the fuck up. I'm pissed. So you can only imagine what I'm, I'm trying to do. Yes, sir. So, I mean, the old doomsday. I mean, we can expect that uh, that big left hook, that signature left hook. Left hook, knees, elbows, slams. You know, I don't give a fuck he's a sample wrestler. Like, people keep saying, oh, he's a great wrestler, he's a great wrestler. I fought some of the best wrestlers in the world, man. It took him, if they didn't beat him, you know, it took him to give him hell, you know? So... Yeah, he's a wrestler, but, you know, he's still wet behind the ears. I have so much experience where, not say he can't beat me, but he's in trouble. He's in for a fight. I hope he's ready to die because I am. Yes, sir. I mean, dude, we might as well just leave it at that. I think you uh, you said – anything else you got to get off your chest, man? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just in a different place in my life, man. You know, I've been, um, I've been like, with this attitude. Um, like, like, big news came out that I got diagnosed with autism. I'm autism, right? Autistic. Right, right. right. And um, what it is, people ask me, are you faking this? And did I know? Well, here's the real story. And the story's coming out 60 Minutes in November. Because 60 Minutes is the whole story about it. But what it is, is like, a lot of people don't know. I grew up in basically special needs classes, basically throughout my whole school life. It wasn't until I got to high school and sophomore that they still put me in regular classes because I show so much improvement from being what I was to that. Well, and back in those days, you know, they really have a clear diagnosis for autism and me going to a Boston public school, they, they really didn't, they were just lazy. They didn't, uh, they didn't diagnose me. They was like, listen, he has problems and put me in those classes where I had to kind of, you know, find my own way. But now, you know, now that I was diagnosed, well, I was diagnosed with, now I know why I was in those classes. Right, but I feel better about that. At first, I was scared and ashamed to come out, but now I don't give a fuck because I, I realize that's not my fault. Me being what I am and what I went through, that's not my fault. I didn't control that. That that's either God's gift or God's curse, whatever you want to call it. But it's the way I was made, and I accept it. And that's what I told the world. And my whole goal is to show the world, yeah, I struggle like that, but I'm still the motherfucker. I I, I can't be. I can be better. Yes, sir. Hey, and big props to you for that, man. It, it, it's cool, man. Being autis autism at that time, and not I didn't know what it was, man, but um, being in that state, state of mind and, and that type of environment in school sucked, man, because you was teased, you get bullied, man. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I really got into fighting, because I got bullied and beat up because, you know, I was special needs and called retarded and all that. Like, I was one of those kids, you know, with the I was in the class with the kids with the helmets on and shit. I was in that class for years, bro. So, and that, didn't know why. But what it is is, like, when you get teased and bullied, you, you eventually build up a tolerance of getting beat, getting beat up, and you stop beating motherfuckers. 
right? Like, I, and it's funny, like, I, it just feels good to come out and say that. But, like, at first I was ashamed, but I'm actually really proud of myself because I look at my what I had, look what I did, and look at my result. You know, even, like, say, worst case scenario, like, shit that's flopped right now. My success of my uh, and me being diagnosed with that and not knowing, but still how successful I am, speaks to violence himself, you know? And I was ashamed at first, but I, I'm really proud of myself because I beat the odds. Well, uh, you you can't tell now, but I had a bad speech impediment. I couldn't put words together and sentences together. I couldn't pronounce. Like, I still have a hesitation on a speech impediment now, but because I worked, worked over years and years of counseling and therapy and all that, I'm, I'm, able to communicate better, but my communication skills were so off where if I say a sentence and I couldn't say one word, I just wouldn't say the sentence. And that was my issue. You know, but like the, the funny part is when I got to high school, not only did they put me in like regular classes, at one point in time, they put me in advanced math class because my math was really good. And um, it was weird to be in an advanced math class and still be in special needs class about other things, but at least I have that. And it, it, it's weird because I did some research. Autism, you know, a lot of kids are a lot smarter and develop a little bit different and do a lot of things. I it, Like even Einstein, he was autistic. A lot of people don't know that. That genius motherfucker was an um, autistic person. You know, that's Einstein? Inspired. Yep. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was autistic. I Googled it. I'm like, are you serious? He was autistic. And it made me more proud because there's a lot of people. Napoleon, another historian, he was autistic. I didn't know that. A lot of a lot of people in history was diagnosed with this and did great things. So is it almost like there's a misconception surrounding autism then? It is a misconception. People relate autism being retarded, and it's not that. What it is is autism, it's... it's it's a development stage. You just learn a lot different, and you don't develop certain skills until later in life, it seems like. You know, and uh, the, the, the spectrum of autism is so everywhere that there's no, like, proper way to diagnose what type of autism. Like, there's Asperger's, and that's a form of autism, and there's so many different forms. But I know people who with Asperger's, they, like, wear socially, they wear social stuff, but they're geniuses. They're, like, they're, like beyond smart. So it's like... It, people think, oh, it's a, they think it's a disadvantage, and really it's not because well, there's certain things we excel at, you know, having this um, diagnosis. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, man, because, I mean, it's just like, to me, it's just different personalities, but I guess they got to put a label on it. Yeah, they got to put a label on it. And like, at, because I came from a poor neighborhood in Boston Public, public School, they really didn't put a label on me. They was like, oh, he's slow. He's not catching on. Okay, he must be just, he must be in here. And it, that's what they did to me. And then because of that, I got bullied and I got beat up. And I seen, I seen a life through a special needs child's eyes, you know, how they get abused and how teachers mistreat them and how, like, basically not only this, that um, the students mistreat them, that the whole, the students and the teachers basically treat these kids like second-class citizens, like that they were like, you know, they wasn't even worthy to be to, to even be around. They like it, they made it seem like it was a like they were doing us a favor that they let us live. That's the way they treated us. You ever thought about like maybe like talking to like a classroom or some kids or something like that? Or have you ever done that? Or I've been doing that for years, man. I did. I've been um, speaking to city year. I've been speaking to uh, Roxbury Community College. I've been doing everything. I never thought. I never did it on the spectrum when it was national. 
You know, I did it locally, you know, and that that's one locally in Boston, yeah, that's good, but it doesn't reach the spectrum as much. You know, but now I have a stage. Sixty minutes give me a stage where it's it's gonna be a nationalized, you know, and sixty minutes action was my plan for me. I was I was hoping, you know, to be a uh, representation or a um a the face of autism. Listen, yeah, I have the disease, but look at my accomplishments, you know, I did between having great jobs, uh being in the UFC um, I just did a movie called Hustle Rules, you know, and I, I did the movie, acted, and I choreographed um, how to fight scenes. So it's been a crazy experience. But my whole goal is is I want to show the world, listen, you know, I have this, but don't feel some type of way about yourself. You should feel good. There's always something you can do. Don't think because you have autism and you are subject to have only a certain life. I want to show them, listen, I have this disease, but look at my life. You can still have a great life and still, still do great things. Really well said. And wow, 60 minutes. I mean, that's a big deal, dude. It is a big deal, man. But it, it's more, it's, when I did it, man, I didn't really do it for me. I felt it was my responsibility because I know what I know, saw what I saw, to, to expose the world, the truth, and the talent that could come from the disease. You know, you can't just say, oh, he's this and that's that. No. These kids can do great things, man. I, I see them with my very own eyes. And I'm a perfect symbol of it. You know, look at me now. So when did you find out? I found what happened is I went to get a neuro exam. You got to do that like every three, four years. And the doctor I was talking to, I was just talking about my childhood and stuff like that because she was asking questions. And she was listening to my, my, my whole um, life story. She was like, you should get checked out. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, you should get tested. I'm like, I'm 33 years old. Why do I get tested? She said, well, believe it or not, there have been studies that all the people – um, are coming out that have been that autism get di- diagnosed later in life. And I never knew that. So I go get tested, come to find out I'm autistic. I'm like, oh, shit, you know what? That explains a whole, whole lot of shit in my life. How do you feel about it? I mean, are you happy you know, or did you wish you didn't find out? Yes, sir. Dooms. Thanks again, brother. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually happy, man, because honestly, you know, I feel a lot better myself. You know, I was kicked out twice in the UFC. That makes you feel some type of way. You know, I struggle with certain things in life, you know, and I was feeling some type of way about myself, but to know that I even know, you know, bad things happen to me with my circumstances, I was able to get to that level and perform at that level and go there twice, you know, and and still be like, and still hang with, you know, some of the best people in the world with my diagnosis. So that that's what makes me proud. Yeah, I mean, you beat some great guys in your career and fought some amazing fighters. So, dude, I, that's badass. I commend you, my friend. Thank you, thank you, man. So, dude, I mean, it's going down, uh, what, this Friday? This Friday. I can't fucking wait, man. I can't, I can't wait. I'm going to go in there on my show, either leave with it or on it. Well, that's what the fans like to hear, man. Dooms, thanks so much for the time, brother. That was awesome, man. Uh, no problem, man. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you for calling me, brother. You got it, man. Let, uh, let the audience know where to follow you, you know, when the 60-minute special's coming out and... Just anything else you want to plug, man. Word up. Here we go. John Doomsley Howard on IG. John Doomsley on Snapchat, my favorite app. John Howard, Facebook, MMA, Doomsday. Check it out. Um, I'm dead at special on 60 Minutes. It's coming out sometime in November. I don't know when or uh, what time. or They didn't confirm me yet, but it will be coming out soon. Also, check out House of Rules. Google it. House of Rules is about a, an underground MMA movie about fighters. I'm the first scene in. Yes, I die, but, you know, I'm there. <laughs> um, also, I choreograph, me and Johnny Hickey choreograph 
um, all the fight scenes, except for one scene, which is the bar scene. Um, I just want to tell the world, listen, guys, you know, I think it's about time people need to wake up about this autism and, not, and start treating it like it's, it's a counterfeit disease, like it's something bad, where it can be something positive. And I just need help. I need help to push this. Let's show these kids that, listen, yeah, they do might have this disease, but they can do great, better things. You know, if I need a national stage. If I get backing a stage and the support, I'll be the face and I'll try to inspire the world and be the person for them and show them the way to do. Uh, I'll use my story as an example for them, but I need help. You know, me coming out, I came out and did some stuff, but now I need help. Let's show these kids can do it. It's not about me no more. It's about them. Let's help move them and motivate them. Let's go. Joining me now is the A-Town Ogre himself, fresh off an eight-fight win streak. I'm talking about David K. Dave, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Appreciate you having me, man. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So, dude, we got a lot to talk about. I mean, you've had an incredible career. You've been through every setback imaginable. Now, with a lot of guys, you know, they'd quit the sport, they'd go running. But for you, you put your head down, you grinded, and now you're on an eight-fight win streak. Yes, sir. So tell me about it, man. I mean, how did uh, how did that go down? What was the change that led you to the current success you're having? Uh, well, I think it's a lot of things. I think um, just surround yourself with the right people. Also, having a good schedule of a good training schedule and sticking to it and fucking wanting it more. Yeah, definitely. You know, what's interesting about you, man, is that you've been fighting for such a long time. You know, now you're in your early 30s. But back uh, when you were a teen, you know, back when you were in Detroit, uh, I feel like you would just take any fight. You know, they'd be like, hey, I want you to fight a UFC vet on a two days notice. And you'd be like, okay, I'm down because you love to fight. So tell me about the early days of uh, David K. That's exactly, you're exactly right with what you what you just said. I was just desperate to fight and would fight anybody and um, didn't really think about consequences or future. So I messed my record up early on, but as you see now, I've, you know, made some better decisions and, you know, changed my weight class and, uh, now I'm kicking some fucking ass. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it, man. So, I mean, were you, like, managed by just the wrong people back in the day? I mean, because mm. taking those fights, man. I, I mean, didn't even have a manager. I, I just, they would be like, hey, you want to fight? Hell yeah. All right, out here in Minnesota, and you know, next week or two weeks from now, and I would do it. <laughs> so what was the first fight you ever got into before you became a pro fighter? You talking, um, you talking legit fight or street fight? Oh, I'm talking a uh, street fight. Uh, many, I got many street fights. You know, growing up in Michigan, um, everyone's trying to test you or pick on you. So, I mean, I can't even remember the first fight I got in. I've been in hundreds of fights. <laughs> Do you remember one that uh, sticks out in your mind before you became a pro? Um, yeah, I do. Um. I was probably 22. Me and my friends were just starting training, and uh, we got in a street fight out in uh, out in Detroit on Woodward Avenue. And uh, you'd have to hear it from them, but uh, it was pretty nasty. We were it was like five on five, and we ended up, you know, kicking the shit out of them, and we ended up walking away, and they didn't. 
<laughs> there you go, man. So <laughs> at, at, at what point did you realize, look, man, I, I want to be a pro fighter that gets paid to fight? You know, it's it was one of those things that you have to be passionate about, and I'm just drawn to it. I don't, I, I can't explain it. I just love the competition. I love the lifestyle. I just want to get back into Bellator or possibly even UFC before my career is over. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Bellator, a lot of people might not know this, but you went 3-0 and in Bellator. You set the record for the second fastest submission in Bellator history. The guy that has the first fastest uh, is actually a buddy of ours. We've gone to lunch together, the three of us, before. But, yeah, man, you got the second fastest ever. Why the hell didn't they call you back? I have no idea, man. Um, the new owner took over, or the Bjorn Rebney stepped out. They got the new guys in, and uh, I've, I've noticed they took took a different route of, you know, taking, signing a Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie and guys like that and kind of kicking guys like me to the curb, you know? Yeah, it's bullshit. You know, uh, we started this hashtag, uh, bring back Bjorn, you know what I mean? But dude, it, on a, on a more positive note, you fought for legacy, you know, uh, a couple times, actually you finished, uh, the first, uh, three fights you had there. And I heard an interview with Mick Maynard, who is now the UFC matchmaker. And, uh, he said, uh, David K is a UFC caliber guy. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, man, uh, stay in shape. Cause you might get that call soon. Absolutely. I agree. That's awesome that he took over. It really is. You know, it's funny because people, you know, drop out of fights all the time. You even saw it last night with uh, Josh Berkman. He fought a new guy, Zach Otto, who was filling in for Bobby Green. And uh, he took the fight on a week short notice. He went out there and he beat Josh Berkman, who's a UFC vet and established guy. So it just goes to show you that, you know, the lifestyle you were referring to earlier, you stay in shape. Uh, you never know when that call may come. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the thing about it is you're probably going to get it on like a week short notice. Like you're going to get the call on Monday and you're going to have to go fight on Friday, on a Saturday. Yep. I mean, I'm fucking ready, man, especially if it's the right opportunity. UFC or Bellator, man, I'm, I'm fucking ready. Put me in, coach. <laughs> now, you know, in your last two fights, you took on very hype prospects, you know, against Cody Wilson. This is a guy that he fought you. He was 9-1. and one. He was on the UFC's radar. If he went out there and beat you, he would have got that call. Yes. Yep. Him and, um, him and Jared were both, well, Cody was on a nine-fight win streak, and Jared was on a six-fight win streak. So I'm fighting these guys that are, like, fucking good. So when I, when I beat them... Or when I win, sometimes I'm, you know, winning a decision. But it's not like I'm beating scrubs. I'm beating these fucking animals. And they make me look bad. Because they're so fucking good. You know what I mean? So, it's fucking tough, man. Well, I mean, you're on an eight-fight win streak for a reason, man. And, you know, I think one of the reasons, not just the fact that, you know, you're taking the right fights, you're training properly, you know, your lifestyle is just on point right now, but also the way you approach the fights. Because, you know, back in the day, you know, like we mentioned, you were the young guy that would take any fight. Oh, I'm 19 years old and they want me to fight Joe Riggs. Okay, I'll go do that. But now, you know, you're not standing and banging with every guy. You're doing what you're really good at, and that's grinding dudes the fuck out. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love taking her soul. It's a, be it's a beautiful feeling. So for you, was it a matter of, you know, 
Again, you know, Adam DeHart, that was the fight where your win streak started that you're currently on. You know, in that fight, were you like, okay, I'm just going to do what I'm good at? Or did it just happen naturally or what? Because in all these fights, man, the eight-fight win streak, you've really just been uh, catering to your strengths. Yeah, I mean, you you really nailed the, the nail on the head right there. Um, I I was about to give up, and I just had one more, you know... I just didn't want to quit. I I wanted to give it one more shot, so they offered me the Adam DeHart fight, and I took it, obviously, and I won it, and then I got the op, uh, opportunity for Bellator, and then I won three in a row there, and then it just motivated me um, to keep training and keep, keep going forward, and now I'm eight fights deep, win streak, and I want to keep it fucking going. Yeah, I mean, you went 3-0 and in Bellator, you went 3-0 and in Legacy, you're currently holding the NFC welterweight title, so I mean, you uh, you kept it going for sure, man, and there's no doubt about that, and you know, so you mentioned how you were you were contemplating retirement at one point, then you know, you got a, you got that win over Dehart, and I mean, what did that do for, for your confidence, man, because obviously it translated to your current eight-fight streak. Well, I always knew that, you know, I had, you know, potential or ability to to win fights, I just, I just need to surround myself with the right people and believe in myself. And ever since I started doing that, have the right people around me and, you know, just positive thinking, um, it's really helped me. And each win just gives you a little bit more confidence, a little bit more confidence. And I, I mean, there's no 170 you put in front of me. I don't think I can, you know, I think I can be any 170 you put in front of me. That's the confidence of a world champion right there. And, you know, it's funny because a couple years back before you were on this streak, you know, you and I went out to lunch with the guy that actually set the record for the fastest submission in Bellator history. And at that point in time, you know, I asked you guys, you know, do you guys want to go to the UFC? His response was, yes, I want to be in the UFC right now. For you, it was like, you know, I'm not really sure, you know, this and that. But then... uh Everything completely changed for you, man. It's a complete 180 where you are now because now you're on the cusp of getting that call. Uh huh. I agree, man. So I'm, I'm even- right fucking there, man. I just need to. I need like, you know, someone to get sick or someone to fall off and give me a call, give me a chance. Now, for you, how has it been? Uh, have you been able to, you know, not? Uh, fall off the edge at all you know you you stay in shape i mean you're always in the gym you know you had your last fight then the next day you're in the gym you're that kind of dude so what made your work ethic so strong well i don't i wasn't always that way daniel i uh you know being that i'm a little bit old i'm 36 you said early 30s i'm i'm actually mid 30s so um i realize that there's not much time left for me and I want to take it as far as I can. And, you know, I, I want to make it to the fucking big show, man. Fuck yeah. So speaking of, you know, good welterweights, you said you could compete with any welterweight. I 100% believe it. And uh, Wonder Boy is fighting the champ, Tyron Woodley, for the welterweight belt. How do you see that fight going down, man? Because we got, you know, the best karate practitioner of all time in Wonder Boy versus a tactical freak athlete in Tyron Woodley. I'm probably the worst guy at calling fights or betting on fights. Um, I mean, either guy can can win that fight. It depends on if Tyron Woodley can close the distance and get it, get his hands on 
Steven Wonderboy, or if Wonderboy can keep the distance and keep the range and, you know, pick his shots. It, really, it just really depends on those two things. Now, let me ask you this. How do you maintain your focus in your fights? Because, you know, your style, you're, you're, uh, you're a serious grinder. You know, you remind me of a welterweight version of uh, Darren Elkins, who's, you know, he's a total badass in the UFC. And, you know, with, with certain grinders, you know, if you stuff that first takedown, you make them pay, you know, they're going to they're gonna look for the door. They're going to quit. For you, if, uh, you know, if someone stuffs your first three takedowns, you're going to wait for that fourth to take them down. Yeah, it's just a matter of time, man. I... I... I really don't think anyone has my cardio when it comes to mixed martial arts. So I know that if I go 100% from the beginning of the bell to the end of the bell, at some point in that fight, he's going to crack and he's going to break. And as soon as he does that, I'm going to stomp on the gas pedal even more and fucking go after it more. And, you know, that's how that's how I've been winning my fights. I crack them about halfway through the fight and... um you know, either get a submission or get a victory or get a decision. But I know it's going to happen. Now, is your uh, relentless grind, is that due to your maturity? Because, you know, back in the day, if you want to get that first takedown, then you'd start slugging it out and stuff like that. And, you know, that's when some of your losses would come. But now you're so disciplined in there, man. Is that just a a result of your maturity? Exactly. I think think you you nailed it there. Um, Just... Just having confidence and knowing that, all right, as soon as I feel this guy wilt or feel this guy start to break, I'm going to go after harder. Because, you know, I mean, the first round is, for me, is usually, it's not necessarily a feeling out process, but it's a, it's a you know, sometimes I get my ass kicked the first round, but I, I'm never going to give up. I'm going to keep coming fucking forward. And uh, eventually they get tired or they break. And I just feel like I don't get fucking tired. I get stronger as the fight goes. Absolutely. Now, do you take influence like from a guy like Michael Bisbing? And what I mean by that is this is a guy that's been through every setback you can imagine. I mean, you remember when Dan Henderson knocked out Michael Bisbing, one of the most vicious knockouts in UFC history. And it didn't stop there. Luke Rockhold stopped him. Uh, Vitor Belfort stock, stopped him. He had the setback to Tim Kennedy and uh, Vanderlei Silva, and he still said, look, man, I believe in myself. I want to be the world champion. Then he went out there against Luke Rockhold as a 8-1 to underdog, and he knocked him out in the first round for the belt. So do you take influence from a guy like that? Absolutely, man. That, that's inspiring, man. Guys that don't have a chance, they go in there and, or on paper don't have a chance, and they go in there and they just go after it. They're the only ones that believe in themselves. And he fucking pulled it off, man. Yeah. That was awesome. Interestingly enough, he's actually fighting uh, Dan Hendo in the rematch this Saturday. You pumped? Oh, yeah, man. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it really is, man. So, Dave, I mean, what are you trying to do next? Obviously, if you get the call from the big show, you're going to take that. But, uh, you know, what's your timeline? Let's say you get to take one more fight here in uh, Atlanta. You know, when are you looking to get back in there? I mean, as little as, like, maybe a month or two. I, I mean, I'm... I'm always ready. I just got to, I drink beer on the weekends when I don't have a fight. So when I have a fight, I just, you know, cut the drinking out, tighten up the diet a little bit more. And I just train just a tiny bit more. I'm always training. Um, so just waiting for an opportunity. Absolutely. Now, how do you make it so that you peak on time? Cause I know with all the fights you've had, you've started to master that. 
Well, <clears throat> I usually like about six weeks. Like if someone offers me a fight, I, I like to have about six weeks just so I can, you know, cut the drinking out, really get my, my body where I want it to be and get my cardio on point. Every, every, it's really a timing thing. It's a process. And I think that I've, you know, I don't want to say mastered the process, but I've, you know, I know the process now and I enjoy the process instead of like, you know, freaking out or getting anxiety. I just, I just enjoy the process. Yeah, that comes with all your experience, man. And uh, dude, what's it like training with, you know, uh, the best lightweight in Georgia and Chaz Walton, you know, the UFC welterweight Mike Graves and all the badasses that we have at Knuckle Up? Dude, it's, it, I mean, it's amazing. We, we've surrounded ourselves with all the best guys. And I mean, if you're the toughest guy in the gym, you're at the wrong gym, you know? So there, there's aspects and areas where each one of us has a good strength. You know, Chaz Walton's long and he's got great striking. Uh, Mike Graves has got great grappling and wrestling. And we train with the Lima brothers, you know, they're awesome too. So, I mean, it's just, we just feed off each other. We all got our strengths and just, it's great working together. Definitely. Now, you know, if you make it to the big show, it's kind of funny because, you know, when you, whenever you fight, I'm always like, you know, my boy's about to grind this dude out. And I, I get so much enjoyment out of watching you uh, break dudes. But for some of the casual fans that don't know you as a person and don't really understand the sport as much, they just want to see two guys stand and bang, they might not really appreciate your style. So as you, uh, you know, start to, to get an even bigger name, you're going to get criticized. People are going to be like, oh, he's a boring fighter and this and that. How do you deal with that? Or do you just say, you know what? You're not the fucking guy stepping in the ring. I mean, yeah, what, what you just said. Um, I mean, it takes a lot of fucking balls and courage to, to get in there to begin with. And then I'm I'm also going against guys. Like, I'm not going against slouches or newcomers. I'm going against tough motherfuckers, man. And, you know, one punch can end a fight. So I'm, I'm, I try to avoid as much damage as I can and try to inflict as much damage as I can. And, you know, some people don't like my style, but it is what it is, man. I got shorter arms. I gotta, I gotta fight the way, you know, I gotta fight to win. Dave, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on half the battle. Always a pleasure, my man. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug, man. Now's the time. Um, well, I need to get better at my social media, but I have a, a fan page and I, I'm, I'm always on Facebook, but, um, that's about it. What's your, uh, Twitter? You know what, man? I don't even know if I fucking, I don't even know. <laughs> it's all good. I know it. It's at David yeah. K. So everybody follow my boy Dave <laughs> at David K. Yo, Dave, thanks so much for the time, brother. Thanks, lovey. Appreciate you, man. You got it, man. Thank I'll, you. I'll see you at the gym this week, bro. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Later, buddy. All right. See you, man. Joining me now is Austin Springer. Austin, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, dude. So you're coming off a nice uh, KO win. You got it in the fifth round of a title fight. What was that like going in the fifth round and then finishing the fight in the final round? So in the first round of the fight, I actually broke my left hand. Uh, so that, you know, Definitely threw a wrench in the plans. I was a little hesitant to to grapple with it because I didn't know how strong it would be. Um, and you know, when push came to shove, and I kind of needed to win the last couple rounds, I started trying to grapple more. 
and I was able to use it more than I thought. You know, the adrenaline had kicked in, and uh, it didn't actually hurt, and I could kind of force through some of it. And so I was able to kind of get the takedowns, maintain a top pressure, and get the TKO win uh, in the fifth. Was that the first time you've ever had to deal with that kind of injury in a fight? Yeah, I, it's honestly, I think the first injury I've ever actually had. I've never broken any other bones in a fight and, or, you know, even in training. So that was the first one. And ironically enough, it happened in a championship fight where, you know, that's where it counts the most, but you got to show off your championship heart. Yeah, you know, uh, there's not very few times, or rather there's not very many times in your life that you get to kind of face adversity like that. And, you know, I learned a ton about myself and uh you know about what i'm really capable of doing and push comes to shove like before the fight if you would have said hey if you break your hand in the first round will you be able to keep going i would have said yes because i would have you know believed that i could but actually going through it and being able to prove it to myself and kind of test it uh you know there's a certain confidence that comes with you know going through situations like that i'm glad that i was able to yeah i mean you just uh took the words out of my mouth i was about to say what does that do for your confidence um, well, I know I can throw a hell of a left hook, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's just awesome to be able to go through a, something like that, you know, and, and come through with a victory. Next up, man, you're taking on Julian Arosa and, uh, that's going to be a good scrap, man. You know, as Connor would say, you know, he teeps, he runs, he plays that game really well. And I agree, man, you know, he's a, he's a good mover. He's a point striker. And, uh, how do you feel about cutting off the ring with a guy like that? You know, a lot of people say he, he has good footwork and I, and I would disagree with that. He, he moves a lot, but his footwork is not smooth. And I think that's why he gets hit a lot of times because he crosses his feet when he's moving. Uh, you know, he does single or, you know, occasionally double strikes, but he, he more uses it to keep you away because he has that long reach. Uh, and, and the fights that I've watched of his, he's made it very obvious on how to beat him. I mean, he doesn't really hide a lot of stuff. He, he does the same type of things. He does, you know, some of the basics very, very well, but he doesn't have, uh, an advanced skill set of certain things that he does very, very well. So. I'm looking to go out there and kind of display what I can do. Absolutely. I mean, he tries to do the whole Dominic Cruz thing. You think you're going to knock him out because you mentioned that the guys that have beaten him, they showed the the blueprint, and they've all won via knockout. Do you think that's what's going to happen here? I'm not going to hunt for a knockout. Uh, you know, Chael said it best. When you're, when you're trying for a knockout, you either get the knockout or you get the loss. And so I'm not going to look for it. Uh, I think that our styles match up very well for me, whether it be, you know, me catching a, a submission, me, you know, maintaining top control or me, you know, catching a knockout. I'm not going to look for any of those, but I'm going to be ready for all of those. And this is your first title defense, man. What's it like being the champ? Uh, you know, nothing new. Um, <laughs> it feels like every other fight I prepared, you know, each fight, you, you gain a little bit more knowledge about yourself. You gain a little bit more about how, what's the best type of training camp for you. So each, that's why you hear so many guys say, oh, this is the best training camp I've ever had. Well, each one should be. Uh, and, you know, just like everybody else, this has been my best training camp. Uh, I've been able to put a lot of things in the, the right spots, you know, kind of get all my ducks in a row to make this uh, the highest opportunity for me to walk away with the W after this training camp. Now, obviously, you're not looking past your opponent at all, but uh, 
the long-term goal is to go back to the UFC, right? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, winning absolutely. winning against a guy like Julian Arosa, that'll get you right on the radar because, I mean, he's a UFC vet. Anytime you get a victory over a UFC vet, you immediately get on the radar and you could be on the short list for, you know, one of those uh, short-notice calls. Yeah. You know, I said before, the easiest way to get to UFC is to beat somebody that's been there. Uh, you know, after my last title fight, the promoter asked, you know, in an interview, kind of what I wanted next. And I, I told him point blank, I, I want to fight somebody that's been in the UFC. I want to fight somebody that's going to highlight my career. It's going to gain the most recognition. And so that's where we're at coming this next Saturday on October 8th. And that's what I'm looking for is to get that win and look down at my phone call and have a text message from my manager saying, hey, let's move on to the next one. Well, as the genie in Aladdin would say, your wish is my command, and now you're taking on a UFC vet, and obviously it's a big opportunity for you. But I got to ask you, man, did you get a chance to check out uh, John Lineker versus John Dodson last night? You know, I didn't. Uh, I'm actually from the area, but uh, I, I didn't go to the fights. Uh, to be completely honest, I wasn't. It, it was a good fight card, I heard, but you know they hadn't been to the Portland area in seven years. And so for them to come back and bring a, a card not packed with, you know, any real local guys uh, and a demographic we're here in Portland. I mean, we have, you know, amateur and pro fights almost every weekend here to where, you know, there's no lack of mixed martial arts. So when I saw pictures of the crowd last night, I was bummed out that not a lot of people were there because I don't know if they're going to be back anytime soon now. Well, the fighters delivered, man. It's too bad not too many people attended, but man, the fighters definitely came to fight. And dude, you mentioned the last time they were in Portland, and obviously one of the best main events in UFC history. I mean, Randy Couture versus Noguera. I'll always remember where I was when I watched that fight. Were you there at the venue when that happened? Oh yeah, I was. There. I I started fighting because I loved watching Randy fight. Uh, I actually moved to the Portland area initially because Randy had a gym here, uh, Extreme Couture, right here in Vancouver. So. I moved here uh, to train at that gym, and when Randy fought on that card, I was as soon as it was announced, I got tickets right away. Dude, what was it like seeing that legendary battle in person? It was fun. Uh, bummed out he lost. Uh, sucked seeing him get dropped by Nogueira, and you know, just kind of not dominated, but you know, definitely lost handedly. But it was really cool to be able to see him compete while he was still uh, active. Dude, he lost, but, I mean, you remember the ovation from the crowd after the fight because, I mean, Randy showed his heart, man. I mean, he got dropped, then immediately he was in a Dars, and we all thought, okay, this fight's over. Somehow he escapes the Dars, gets on top, so we're all like, yeah, this, I mean, he's uh, Captain America, you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I, uh, definitely a highlight being able to watch somebody like that perform. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And I got to ask you, who you got between Connor and Eddie? I think Eddie, uh, I think he, uh, he might not be a, as quick or as snappy as Connor, but he's going to be, you know, ferocious on top control. Um, and I think he hits harder pound for pound than Connor. Connor's probably got more timing and more accuracy, but Eddie's got more power. And if Eddie wants to, he has the ability to dictate where the fight goes. And if he wants to take it to the ground, then I think that, uh, Connor's going to be in a bit of trouble. Interesting. You think Eddie has more power than Connor? That's the first person I've heard say that. But I mean, we're all going to be tuning in to find out firsthand, right? Yeah, I th I think Eddie, you know, has got more, 
you know, it's he's, like I said, he's not as fast and speed equals power, but I think, you know, as far as blunt force, I think Eddie, it's harder. Yeah. And, uh, Eddie's definitely, uh, in my opinion, he's got to utilize that, that grind that he, uh, that he used so well against Anthony Pettis. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the, the ability to dictate where a fight goes because of your wrestling is not only huge physically, but it's huge mentally. Like your opponent knows that. And so they're less, uh, willing to engage a hundred percent if they're worried about overextension and, you know, their opponent being able to take them down. Um, so we'll see. Definitely. We will all be tuned in, man. So dude, you and Julian Arosa at prime fighting eight this Saturday, right? This coming Saturday. How's it going to go down, my man? You got a fight prediction? Um, at the end of the fight, when we go to the middle of the ring, the referee's going to be raising my hand. And still. And still. Awesome, man. Well, Austin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure, man. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time. Hey, you know, first and foremost, I've had some uh, some awesome sponsors jump on board this training camp. And what I've been able to do is uh, I kind of took the blueprint for what high-level boxers do. You know, they form a, a training camp around them with specific coaches that they want to work with. And due to companies like Painting Perfection, Karma Fight Gear, uh, a affordable bail bonds. Uh, I've been able to do that. I've you know gone out to Vegas several times to work with Coach Robert Fallis and Brian Caraway, and uh, you know here in the Portland area, I've you know, been able to go to the Henzo Gracie Academy, and I'm basically I'm going all around to these different coaches to just get this perfect training camp for me. You know, other sponsors, of course, like uh, FOI Labs and CA Sales, and all of those uh, sponsors are on my social media, which Instagram is. Austin Springer MMA, same with Twitter and my Facebook account, Austin Springer MMA. Um, and so all of those, you know, my family and friends, everybody has helped out so much uh, leading into this fight. It's been, uh, unfortunately, it's been a perfect storm for Juliana Rosa because October 8th, right here in Vancouver, Washington, I'm walking away with that belt around my waist. Yes, sir. And real quick, man, tell your boy Brian Caraway, uh, thank you for cashing that plus 350 underdog play against Aljamain Sterling. That was amazing. No problem. I'll let him know. Hey, brother, best of luck this weekend. It's on the 8th. My birthday's on the 9th, so uh, we'll both be celebrating next weekend, dude. Sounds good, buddy. All right, man. Have a great day. Take care. There you have it, folks. Jimmy Rivera, Doomsday Howard, David Kay, and Austin Springer. Thank you guys so much for checking out this special edition of Half the Battle. This was episode 99. Episode 100 will be coming out later this week. We got James Vick, Sean Carey Tattoo, and Albert Morales breaking down UFC 204 with me. So definitely look out for that. And guys, thank you so much for sticking with me. 99 episodes, about to be 100. I truly appreciate it. And for all the new fans, thank you guys too. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Go to bestfightpicks.com. Follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. And until the next time, let's cash these bets. My mama was raised in the Everwind. 
clean water was only served to the fairest skin. Doing clothes you would have thought I had help, but they wasn't satisfied unless I picked the cotton myself. You see, it's broken to raise some nests that don't touch anything in the stove. And it's written to raise some nests that come in please by more. What you want? A Bentley fur coat? A diamond chain? All you blacks want all the same thing. You stuck only be mm. Now everybody playing, spending anything on Alexander Wang. Leaders and his followers. <laughs>